Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Negro Please Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen. How's everybody doing, huh? You doing all right? I hope so. But uh, as usual, off the top, I want to take the time out to thank each and every last one of you for tuning in, downloading, streaming. However you watched or listened, I appreciate it. So please tell a friend, enemy, coworker, tell somebody about the podcast, please. I would have really preferred that you told, told people who don't agree with me on shit. Those are the people I want to talk to. Those are the people I feel like need to hear this podcast. Uh, especially, I think, especially this episode uh, towards the end. We, we'll get there. Um, but uh, yeah, man, tell somebody about this podcast, man. Keep telling your friends. Um, yeah, just tell somebody, man. But I'm just going to jump right in. Um, for those who don't know, we have an eight-year-old son. His name is Miles. And I like to talk about the different things that are going on in his life. And that's how I got to th- the name Milestones. I know I'm pretty clever. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's nothing. Uh, and this week, it's not, it's nothing too big, man. But we we had a great moment a couple of nights ago. Um, let's see how. I guess I just don't want to have to give the whole history. But if you listen to my podcast, you know my son has ADHD, and uh, he really struggles at bedtime. So we we kind of mix it up you know, with uh, letting them watch something or reading a book and all this kind of stuff. But so uh, it was, he went to bed pretty late. So I, we thought, you know, maybe, maybe no TV show on the iPad tonight. Cause that, that might keep him up. So we decided to read and uh, you know, we both read for 20 minutes and we had a, it was impromptu. It's not like we, I planned it or anything like that, but I just, after the 20 minutes was up, uh, I just gave him like a, you know, a, a kid's, review of, of what I just read and what I was excited about and what those, what was being implied in my book. And he returned, he returned in kind. I I didn't expect that from him, but we, we had a small little discussion about the books that we read before bedtime and, and it felt good. It wasn't a forced thing. Um, cause he's really, He he really doesn't. Not that anyone likes it, but he really doesn't like to be forced to do things that he's uh, not comfortable with. Like a lot of us, but at eight years old, it can be he can be pretty irrational about it because he's eight, and uh, it's just it's just hard to get him to branch out and do new things, just like it is for me. But to kind of have that happen organically was great. And I know for some people, they're probably probably like, what's the big deal about that? But it, it just is, man, because sometimes I think it's hard for him and I to connect because we're so much alike. Uh, we're doing a lot of mental mental gymnastics, if you will, um, at, at times. And it can be difficult for us to communicate with people. And it was just a good moment, uh, moment man, where it all clicked. There was there was no no uh pushback it was it was just a great moment man i i really enjoyed it as, as you can tell i keep saying it over and over again but uh i, I really enjoyed that moment with my son it was it, it was just a really organic thing and it, i can tell it it genu- genuinely made him happy and he smiled and it made me feel good as a dad we kind of found this thing uh that we uh connected on for a few minutes and uh it made me feel really good uh, I want to do, I would like to do it again, but I don't know if he will respond the same, but I'll, I'll say that night it, it was fantastic. So that's, that's my milestone. We, we just had a great organic moment. We, we shared some, um, 
some information with each other about our books. And uh, it was cool, man. I, <laughs> I know some people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? You, yeah, I guess you had to be there, man. But it was it, I, it felt great. It felt great to me. Um, I've been doing a lot of soul searching lately. Uh, I, I came to a lot of realizations about myself. And uh, <clears throat> it, it's it's been a pretty good two weeks for me personally as as far as like making uh some personal progress with as far as my uh psyche goes and my thought process and figuring out a little bit more about why I am the way I am and how to alleviate a lot of the stress in my life um and I realize I, I generate 90% of my own problems in my head. And I, I'm sure other people do this, but when you're so deep in it, you, you just don't see it, man, because it becomes so part of who you are. You don't even, you don't even question yourself. Like, what am I doing? It's just, you just kind of go on autopilot and you just, you trust yourself to a degree. You know, you, you think you got it, everything all figured out and, and you don't. Um, I will admit, when my wife started going to therapy with me and I always felt like, uh, why are we always working on me? What about her? She does shit too, but why are we always working on what the fuck Chris is doing wrong? And that used to bother me. And uh, two weeks ago, it, I realized all that, all that really did and does for people is all it does is hinder your own progress. When you're so worried about other people hearing why they suck, you know, you're not focused on making yourself better. And I realized like, you know what, me doing that, it's, I'm really not helping myself at all. And I'm, I'm, I'm wasting my time uh, thinking about how it's not fair that everyone's telling me that these things that I'm doing are, are affecting them in a certain way it's coming across a certain way and it's making people feel a certain way. I was really just taking that very personally. And it, it was really, it just was hindering me from growing, man. It it just, it was, and I, I don't know what it was, but one night I was just downstairs, just chilling. And I just started thinking like, man, um, to go back to my original point, I do create these scenarios in my head. For example, I was thinking about like, uh, you know, maybe we should get a third laptop, a second laptop when we get our tax return and, we'll, you know, save the rest. But then my brain goes, you know what's going to happen, man? You're going to get the laptop. because Then she's going to want to take the new laptop. They're going to give you the old laptop. And then he's going to want your laptop. Then you're going to be stuck with no laptop. And I was just getting myself all worked up. I was having these, conver I was having these conversations with her in my head. And already getting mad about either him or her taking this laptop that I haven't even bought yet. And none of this stuff is happening. And I'm already feeling all this angst and and just anger and impatience over this laptop that, again, I haven't even bought yet or even asked her if she would be cool with us spending some of our money on a laptop. And I had to stop myself. I go, what the fuck am I doing creating these scenarios? to be upset, creating, creating these arguments in my head that I can win somehow. It, it's just, uh, it was, it's too much, man. 
I just realized I was wasting so much brain power on stuff that hasn't even happened. And I'm just creating these scenarios in my head to be mad. And I don't know what it is. It's the anticipation of someone doing something to me or taking something from me. And um, yeah, so I, over the last couple of weeks, man, I've, I've told myself, just take an extra five seconds. I make a lot of assumptions whenever she talks to me or when he talks to me or e even other people. I have to tell myself when people are talking to me, just shut the fuck up and listen. Shut up and listen. Give it another five seconds. Give it another five seconds. Don't try to figure out what they're going to say or how they feel or what this is going to be about. Just fucking listen. Because you end up getting yourself worked up about a, uh, a situation that one, she's not talking about, he's not talking about, they weren't going to do, they weren't going to say, and I'm not listening. And I'm just in my mind, no matter what they say to me, what, <laughs> no matter what they say, I'm going to hear what I want in my head. And I realize that's fucked up, it's wrong. And holding people to a standard or being mad at someone uh, based on a situation that you made it up in your own head is not right because they have no idea what they're up against. They have no idea what you're thinking. And it's not fair to them to get blindsided by some anger or frustration that was caused by a scenario that you made up in your own head. That's not even real. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I've, I realized that and I've been working on it the last couple of weeks. And I will say, my life has been a lot better. I'm not perfect. I still do it from time to time, but I am now stopping myself in the middle of that process. Like, hey, no one said any of that. You, this is all made up. This is all made up in your mind. None of this stuff is true, has to be true. Um, and you don't have to own it. And what's funny is a couple of weeks ago, I heard some people talking about you know, self-care and mental, mental, um, health and, uh, talking about like, uh, just, uh, meditation and all that kind of stuff, just trying to be healthier mentally. And I heard someone say, just because you think something, that doesn't mean that you have to own that thought or that that thought is yours. And I didn't really understand what that meant. And I'm like, well, if I thought of it in my head, it's my thought. It, it is my thought. But yeah, it doesn't mean that it's true. And after having this realization about the things that I that I do to myself, I understood like, oh, that's what they mean by like these thoughts aren't really they don't you don't have to own these thoughts just because it crossed your mind. That doesn't mean that you really feel that way or that that something really happened. It's it's all made it's all made up, man. And I was entertaining a lot of bullshit. I, and now that I realize that, it's just trying to figure out where that came from. Um, so, yeah, I've I just been doing a lot, a lot of psychoanalyzing myself, and I, I definitely know I need to get back into therapy and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a very it's been a very interesting two weeks, and I, I, I'm glad I got to where I am, and I know there's. Uh, more I need to learn, but I feel like this was a big milestone. My wife and I talked about it. Um, nighttime is my time in my house. 
you know, I, I'm his his learning tutor, his you know teacher, or whatever. So I don't really get to do what I want to do during the day, which is completely fine. Uh, this is what I'm here for, you know, helping them with schoolwork, making sure his things are organized, making lunch, getting snacks, uh, breakfast, all that kind of stuff. Just making sure he's he is where he's supposed to be, and staying on task as far as his, his schooling goes. So I don't I don't get a lot of time to myself. Even after that, it's just like we got to make dinner. Okay, now we we're probably gonna go to the gym. Or we want to get outside, or maybe I have something else to do, you know, record a podcast, do a show. So nighttime is my time. And if I'm honest, like there have been times in the past where like my wife would come down and I would get a little like annoyed because I'm like, this is my time to watch what I want, to just not have to talk to anybody, just to be by myself. But over the last couple of weeks, I had to tell myself, like, hey, man, you, you and your wife don't get to spend a whole lot of time together, watch anything, talk. And I I started applying the, the my five-second rule. And I will say, my wife and I have had some phenomenal conversations over the last couple of weeks at night, which is, quote-unquote, my time. I, and I was being selfish with my time. I, I, I wanted to myself. I didn't want to spend time thinking about uh, myself or what was going on. I just wanted to turn my brain off and watch Sopranos or watch a basketball game, just not have to worry about any of the stressors of the day. But I, I set that aside and I was like, you know what? This is the only time that we really have for each other. And um, it's been immensely helpful. And it also kind of like just reminded me it reminded me like why I love her so much you know because we we tend to forget this kind of stuff when you when you live in the you, you know uh just day-to-day stuff you're worried about bills and you got stuff going on you kind of forget you know about why you and this person are together or what brought you guys together or what made this person special you just don't think about it well at least I I wasn't I'll say that. And just sitting there talking to her for the last couple of weeks, you know, late at night, just me and her on the couch. It was just like, man, this is why I'm with her. This is the person that I love. She understands me. She wants to get to know me better. She wants to understand how she can help me. Instead of me taking this attitude of like, she's coming down here to fucking tell me how it is and how I'm shitty. It's just like, no, listen to what she has to say. And we've had some wonderful conversations. And I thank her for that. Because uh, I, I, I can be so closed off, man. I, I think about how I was a couple of years ago, three years ago. And I, I feel like I'm a lot better. But I'm like, Jesus, I can't believe this woman stuck by me during these times. I was not there. Emotionally and mentally, I was I was in my own head and being a shitty person, you know, being resentful, being selfish, uh, uh, you know, and uh, man, I'm thankful for her, man, for her sticking by my side. It was just recently her birthday. So happy birthday, babe. We had a good day yesterday, but uh, it, w- it was great. You know, me stepping back, realizing the- these things about myself is- has really helped me, our relationship, not only with her, but also my son and just all in, just in general, things around here have been a lot better. Um, so, man, I've done a couple of shows, live shows here the last few days. 
And uh, I, I miss doing the live shows, man. It's, it's, it was fun getting out there and seeing my buddies and, and getting in front of people and doing crowd work and being on the road again and listening to my audio books. It felt normal. It felt normal. Uh, so shout out to Gil for putting me on the show up there in uh, Bethesda at Java Nation. I had a great time up there. Uh, I actually forgot I had a Zoom show the same night. So I'm up in Bethesda at this venue and I have to run out to my car and do a Zoom show, uh, which was very, very odd. I, that was the first time I've ever done one on my phone in a car. And uh, I tell you what, it's it's not easy looking at yourself on a phone doing comedy and you can't hear any laughs. But hey. Whatever you got to do to make the money, man. <laughs> and you got the, you get to work out a couple of bits. And uh, I did two shows with uh, some buddies of mine in Richmond at this place called, um, what is the name of that brewery? Oh, damn it, I lost it. It's a brewery in, in, in Richmond. I had it on, on the tip of my tongue. I told myself the whole show, don't forget, don't forget. And then I get to tell it and I forgot. Bus key. So uh, it was a fun show, man. So a, a, fun, a, a friend of ours, this dude named Moo, Moo Cuzzo, to be honest, I don't know his real fucking name, but that's what he goes by comedy-wise. He, uh, This dude, man, funny guy, he was going to propose to his girlfriend during the middle of the show, which is a weird fucking thing to do and shitty to do, to be honest, because nobody wants to follow a goddamn proposal. But uh, so he was going to act like he forgot his jokes at the table and his now fiance was going to bring the paper up and he was going to uh, propose. So he's so nervous, so in his head, he gets ready to do it and he reaches reaches in his pocket and he can't find the ring and has to just end his set. And he is sweating. He's stammering. He's he's just a ball of, a, of, of nerves. He doesn't know what's going on. He realized he left his cell phone at home. He's a fucking wreck right now. You know, he was so nervous and he blew the moment. So I closed that show out and I asked him to come back up and tell the joke. I was like, you got to tell the joke. I heard it, everybody backstage. It's a great joke. So after I finished my set, I got him to come back up on stage. He proposed. She said, yes, it was great. Everybody cried. We all touched dicks. It was fantastic, but uh, it was it was fun, man. It, it was just nice being around Winston and Moo and all my other buddies, man. I just miss doing live comedy. I miss being around people uh, at shows. I tell you what, there's nothing like being backstage or in the green room and just hearing those laughter, those laughter, those laughs, or laughter from kind of a far ways away is or kind of muffled it's just something about that man I, I love that man that that muffled uh muted kind of laugh where it's quiet where you are but out in the main room this is all this energy it's just something about the juxtaposition of that and hearing that uh that just, it gives me goosebumps man i, I love it so much and uh, i can't wait to get back out there full time um, which, uh, I'm happy to say I'll be at the Liberty funny bone all weekend with my man, Mark Norman. So getting another taste of normalcy again. And I, I can't wait. I really need to buckle down and get ready for this special or not special, but album. I really, really want to call it a special get ready for my album. Um, I got some artwork for the poster done. It was finished today. I, I love it. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's from one of my favorite scenes in Goodfellas. Uh, I posted it today, so if you follow me on social media, you probably already saw it. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. It was fun doing the shows. It was fun seeing my friends. 
And um, let me say this before I get out of here. Hopefully I, I will try not to eat up too much more time because I try to keep this around 20, 20, yeah, around 20 minutes. So, but look, so a couple of days ago, I, I saw a story about a, um, something that happened at Coca-Cola. Uh, they found it pr uh, prudent is the right word. They found it necessary to have some uh, equality training. And they basically told their white employees like, hey, just try to be less white. And basically in those words, it's, you know, just saying, try not to be oppressive, try not to be arrogant, trying to, it was pretty wild. Uh, but I will say I can't have any sympathy for it. And I say that because, and this is what I posted. I go, see, I, I posted a picture of, of, of the article's headline and whatnot. And I go, see white people, this is what black people have been talking about since we've been introduced into the corporate world. Now, this training blatantly came out and said, try to be less white. In some cases, it is very blatant where they're like, hey, you know, that's just a look. Can you not be as black? But a lot of it is the subtle shit, the systemic stuff. You know, they, they try to write it off. as It's just being professional or, you know, that look isn't really corporate. Like telling people, that uh, their name is too black. Maybe they can go by a nickname. Maybe you shouldn't have it. Maybe you shouldn't cut your hair like that. Maybe you shouldn't have a part. Maybe your beard is too long. We don't like the braids. These dreads are too, too this, too that. It's too ethnic. That's the kind of shit that I'm, I've been talking about. We've been talking about as a people. Hey, this is not cool. I had a buddy of mine growing up. His father's name, his father's name, stepfather's name was Jerome Elliott and whatever their last name was. He worked for the bank. This is back in the early 90s. Not a, not, not a lot of black dudes in, in banking in Rochester like that back then. But for them, white folks in Rochester, Jerome was too black. He went by Elliot because he felt like people would respond better to it. And what's funny is I got right-wing friends that, that makes sense. That, yeah, I, I could see that. These are the same people who believe in total freedom. You shouldn't have to do uh, anything you don't want to do. But for some reason, when it comes to black people and things like this, they they can somehow see where making this sacrifice will make your life better when they're not willing to do the same thing. No Republican, GOP, right-wing, libertarian white guy would ever let you give him a nickname or say you, he can't wear this shirt or he shouldn't have his hair cut like this or get rid of his beard because people are offended by it or it scares people in no way, shape or form would they ever be cool with that. But they're so cool with people having to be subjected to that because they think, well, Hey, if you want to be successful, you got to do what you got to do. That's not cool, man. To hold people to a standard and, and expectations that you yourself one won't be subjected to and also would never comply with. I don't think it's cool. And somebody I knew for a while was like, hey, man, you talk about race 90% of the time. You know, why can't you just be who you are and why do you got to see color? And I told that dude, hey, man, I don't, I don't remind myself that I'm black every day. I'm not the one that, that hanged signs that said white only or colored water fountain. We didn't do that shit to ourselves. Y'all did that to us. Talk to your folks. You tell them to leave us alone and let us be who we are. Don't come to me and tell me to ignore who I am. 
You don't ignore who you are. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You're not going to do that. Fuck that. And I'm here to say, man, I'm I'm sick of holding back and being worried about what certain friends are going to think because I don't agree with them. I'm done with it. I've learned over the last year and a half that people who I thought were my friends, people had some people who came to my house who's who held my child, who say they they care about my family, they they've wished us well. Some of the shit they said and posted and done over the last year and a half, it lets me know they didn't take any of our interactions or, or any of our relationship with them into consideration at all. So I'm done thinking about my friends when I want to say something. Oh, what is so-and-so and so-and-so going to think about that? I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it. I'm going to tell people exactly how I feel about shit. And if you don't like it, it's just too fucking bad. And if you don't want to talk to me anymore, that's fine. Don't don't ask me if I'm willing to throw it away. Ask yourself, are you willing to throw it away? So there's a show. That's a show. I'm out. Peace, everybody. Oh, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Chris Allen Comedy. I'm out. Peace. Have a great week.